Reaching the highest point in the Netherlands is not really much to boast about. It's maybe worth a funny photograph for social media and a joke amongst your hiking friends. But add another 27 country high points to the list like Mont Blanc, Tede, Mont Pico, Ben Nevis, and doing them all in 28 days, that's something that earns you a throne in the pub for life. My guest this week, Ian O'Brien, he did just that this year. And he did, did it all while managing a life with, while developing early onset Parkinson's disease. The log- logistics of the travel alone would cause ChatGPT to implode, but Ian and his crew managed to, to scale all 28 within that 28 day goal. But as all epic adventures go, it didn't come without any suffering or failure. With Ian's condition, some of the climbs were extremely challenging and the descents were even more risky. Despite all that, that, he defeated the odds and he reached his final peak here in Ireland, summiting Karen Tuhill on the 2nd of July, 2023. I really enjoyed my conversation with Ian. He reminds us all that anyone can do these difficult things. Maybe it's not summiting all 28 of the highest points in Europe in four weeks, but we all have the power to conquer our own mountains. And most importantly of all, that the best adventures are those that are shared. This is the Hiker Podcast. I am Owen Hamilton, and here's my conversation with Ian O'Brien. Life is good, yeah. Um, took a while to adjust after what I did. Um, so I haven't really been in the hills much since I've done that the event, you know. Uh, slowly getting back into it. But um, yeah, it was, it was a great event, and glad I did it. And would I do it again? Not sure, but I, I'll see. How few things yeah. obviously. I think it. Uh, I think a lot of people can relate to that as well. I can definitely relate to that. Doing something as monumental and something that took so much training and logistics and planning and everything—it's really hard to go. Well, like I loved it. you love the feeling of accomplishment, but then you're like, "Let's do yeah, that again." Yeah, during the event, I was thinking of other things to do. You know, as like yeah. you know, as if like kind of just occupying your brain what else could I do and stuff like that then like you said when you finish you're going all right maybe I shouldn't shouldn't be thinking about what I want to do next but you know slowly you start coming around again and the body starts going oh maybe I could do something else so yeah I have a few things up my sleeve but uh I can't tell my wife yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah she'll probably murder you uh but I'll I'll, I can be that little red devil on your on your shoulder telling you go on do it (laughs) Um, so yeah, I suppose I have dove straight into it. Do you want to, do you want to kind of give a a bit of an overview exactly what you did this year? Yeah. So, um, I took on a challenge to climb the highest point in each of the EU countries and the UK. So 27 EU countries and the UK is 28 countries. And I challenged myself to get to the top of the 28 points in 28 days. So it was, uh, yeah, so I always say it sounds more exotic than it, than it actually was because, you know, some mountains, some countries are quite low-lying, like yeah. Denmark and Holland and stuff like that, but it was still a logistical challenge to get to all those places and then actually get to their high points. Um, and then obviously you had serious high points like Mont Blanc and uh, Roskloctor in Austria and so on and so forth, but it was a great adventure. And it did take a lot of planning. It's probably... Probably started planning it about four years before that, and then COVID kicked in. And I kind of forgot about it, and then just thinking about it, and I said it to a couple of friends, and like, just go for it, like you know. So uh, I did, and it was a pretty, pretty good adventure. 
So it wasn't necessarily four years in the making, uh, four years in the planning. It was four years in the making that was conceived back back four years ago. Yeah, so what I did four years ago uh, when I came up with the idea, I said, right, is it logistically possible? And based on the flights in that year and the logistics of that year, I put it together. And once I know it could be put together, I know I could, you know, roll it out. It wouldn't be the exact same flow and stuff like that, but I knew I could kind of work it around. And so I did so like, the planning was hours and hours, like you'd, you'd plan everything and then the flight would change and I would throw everything out or the date, like I was doing Mont Blanc and the, the tour company was doing to change the date by one day and that threw everything out and took me three months to put it back together. I tried a couple of crazy things, like in the middle of it, Ireland were playing Greece, over in Greece, and I tried to see if I could be in Greece and get the match in as well. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit, so like I could spend a month doing that, like uh, that didn't work out. But um, yeah, it was just, Trying to get the flow right, whether to use flights, whether to use trains, whether to drive. Um, so, yeah, at the end of it, probably more proud of the logistics coming off than actually mm. the physical feed of it, like, you know, but uh, the whole lot was, was pretty cool. Yeah, no, it, it, like, I, I remember when we first spoke and you sent me the map or you sent me the we- your website and then I looked at the map and I was just like, that is, because you're going from here to here and then you're doubling back on yourself and you're crisscrossing all over the place. It just, it looked... Yeah, it, it's a, I'm, I don't know if you ever like doing this, but if you complete an activity like a hike or a run or like that, and you just look at the map on, you know, whatever platform, a Strava or a hike or like that, and you just look at the at the map of what you've done, you're like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> you know, it's very, it's like a trophy. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. And then like planning the, the routes for each of the individual hikes and on top of the, the major logistics of moving around, you know, um, totally wouldn't have been possible without me friends and people that joined me like along the way you know um at some points there was i was dropped to the bottom of a mountain i'd start climbing they'd drive two hours to an airport park the car put the key on a on a, on a wheel take a picture where the car was they'd get in a plane and someone else would fly in from somewhere else they'd turn on their phone find out where the car was get in the car and drive to the bottom of the mountain collect me as i got off it and off to the next place like so it was logistics going all over the place where to stay where to eat all that kind of stuff so um, yeah, like back to what I said, it came off. I was very lucky, like, you know, it was, it was, I planned it quite well and I built in like um, buffer zones. Like I, I'll always overestimate times of drives and over, you know, just to give myself a bit of extra time. But still, I was quite lucky where it came off in different places. And it was hairy enough in some places, like crossing from Romania to Bulgaria, uh, you had to cross over the, the Danube. Okay. We got to the point where it was like a long drive from the end when we finished Romania. And uh, we got to where, the, and the last ferry had gone. So there was another ferry leaving in an hour's time, an hour and a half down the road. So we had to get there as quick as possible. And yeah, it was two twelve o'clock at night, and it was uh, all a bit, bit weird and wonderful, but it came off in the end, you know. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I guess the the big question people are probably thinking is, is why did you do this? Why? What was the the motivation behind doing it in the first place? So I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease five and a half years ago. And uh, the whole story behind that is a bit of a shock. I was struggling for a while, physically, mentally and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, when I was diagnosed, I really got into hiking and stuff like that. It was a friend of mine that was kind of involved in diagnosing me. He's a physiotherapist and uh, I went to movement issues in my right hand. And he said, that's all fine. And I said to him, it's like my brain tells my hand not to do and it won't do it and he got me to see a neurologist and I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and I went back to tell him and he goes 
few I thought you could have, you know, there's a lot worse you could have. <laughs> so, and he goes, let's, let's try and Karen tool at the weekend. And I, I was like, hang on a second. I just got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. He goes, no, no, you love it. You love it. So we went down, we climbed Karen tool. And since then, I really like, I was always into the outdoors and kind of, you know, but never really into hiking as much. So I'd like to get out for a walk more than anything. But uh, after I did that, I was like, okay, I got on top of Ireland's highest mountain and get on top of this diagnosis. And the brain just sort of flown from there. What are the high points is there and what else could I do? And that's kind of how it all came about. So from being told what, you know, this is a, a disease that's going to affect your mobility, affect your, your body. Um, you took this on as a challenge of saying kind of, well, no, I'm, I'm actually going to go the other way. I'm going to go yeah. and conquer every single mountain in Europe. <laughs> there's that there's been the stubbornness of it like you know just saying all right this is not going to define me there was wanting to do something because it's a it's a progressive disease you know there's no getting away from it. you get worse or as time goes by so i wanted to do something epic that i could look back on in a few years time and say you know i did that while i, while I was stable i wanted to spend some time with my mates and have a good time as well mm. i wanted to raise awareness for parkinson's because a lot of people when they think about parkinson's they think um older people, you know, shaking and stuff like that. And then there's, there's a small percentage of us that are diagnosed at a younger age. And I just wanted to spread that message that, you know, if you are diagnosed at a younger age, life doesn't need to stop. You still can do different things and you can kind of fight against it. And then the last thing is exercise is really, really good for it. Uh, it won't stop it, but it definitely slows it down and kind of for your mood and everything as well that goes with it. So, yeah, I, well, they say excessive exercise. So I said, right, how can I push it to the limits, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's how it all came about. A couple of different things all kind of came together. And then lastly, just I was involved in setting up a charity in Ireland called EOPD, uh, EOPD.ie, which is early onset Parkinson's disease. So it was kind of fundraised for them as well. So Fantastic. Yeah, all, that, all that came together. I can see on on the, the website that the, the dial is, very very close to the to the to the target of a hundred uh, is it a hundred grand or yeah and the hundred grand like when you're when you're setting up with these you know uh things on on donation pages and stuff like that you have to pick a target i just picked a hundred grand randomly like you know i never in my wildest dreams i thought 20 to 30 50 would be amazing and yeah. i was in the photo interview and people were like so you're looking for a hundred thousand i was like no i'm not i'm actually just trying to raise awareness and if we raise a bit of money along the way good and well so i can't believe it's nearly at that you know um yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome. I think 95 and a half is on that. And we've donated yeah. money to other uh, Parkinson's charities that aren't included in that as well. So we're probably at the 100 grand. But, um, well, hopefully, the people, anyone listening to this, I'll be making sure to put it all into the show notes that people can go and click on the link and make a donation, any, you know, as small or as big as they as they possibly can and get it close to that 100K. You know, I know it wasn't the real target, but oh, no, definitely not it's there, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's flashing in front of everybody. Even just talking today is really what I wanted to do is just talk about Parkinson's yeah. and, and then uh, talk about hiking as well, like, you know, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, so I don't normally do these interruptions in the podcast, but before we dive into the rest of the conversation with Ian, I wanted to let you know about something big that's happening with Hiker this weekend. For this Saturday and Sunday, that's the 18th and 19th of November, 2023, we're dropping our paywall entirely and giving you access to all the amazing features of Pro Plus for free. That's completely for free. There's no credit card details required. You don't need to pay anything. It's not a free trial. 
you have unlimited access to our premium service for free. That gains you access to our premium topo maps like Harvey Maps, East West Mapping, NZ Topo, Vic Map, Swiss Topo, OS Maps, uh, to name but a few. There are so many maps that we have available in Pro Plus. You'll also have access to Live Locator, enabling you to share your live location through Hiker to your safety contacts, even if they don't have a Hiker account. Uh, there's so much more about Hiker Pro Plus that we'd uh, love for you to try out. So simply open up the app this weekend and check it out for yourself. Okay, sorry for the interruption. Let's get back to my conversation with Ian. Yeah, because it's I suppose you've got normally when we're talking to people on this on, on this, it's like you know how did you get into hiking? Why did you decide to do this one big long hiking trip? You know, maybe two, maybe three, but you did twenty eight. And not, and that's just on the ones that you um, are included in the actual challenge. You obviously trained a huge amount, and you travelled while you were training as well. So yeah, um, um, I, I I done one or two. I've been to Ben Nevis a couple of times. Um, I'd been to Greece to do uh, Olympus previous to that as well. Uh, I did went to Romania just before I actually started the trip, just to kind of do a recce on that because. So way of doing it is you can come in from the north or in from the south. So I want to come in from the south to make it easier to get to the next point. There's a 40 kilometer dirt track to get into it. So I was kind of concerned about that. So my brother and I went over to do a recce and we forgot about the snow and stuff like that. So we actually had a very eventful 40 kilometers in, which we eventually had to stop because of a couple of avalanches that blocked the road. Okay. So we'd hike in. So I didn't actually get to the top of Romania when I went to my recce, but I got to see how bad the road was. And uh, yeah, the road ended up causing a bit of trouble, and we were on, on the way. The, the van didn't go back exactly the way it was given to us, but anyway, that's another story. That's what you have insurance for. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what were some of the, what were some of the, I suppose, the highlights of the of the of the trip? Yeah, everyone asked me about the highlights, and the highlight was being in the van with my mates. Like, believe it or yeah. not, just driving around, having the crack, talking about different things. Um, that was, that was brilliant. But from the hiking point of view, so the first one, I, I, to, to get the challenge to fit into 28 days, I said, right, the clock starts when I hit the top of Mont Blanc. So the, I had a week over there before kind of leading up to it where you'd climb Grand Paradiso in Italy, mm-hmm. uh, just over 4,000 meters. That was pretty class. But uh, a lot, again, a lot more snow that in this in June in, in Europe this year because um, there's been a lot of rain that was obviously snow up the mountain. So a lot of hadn't kind of a, hadn't thought about the, the snow to, to the point where how bad it was. You know, I thought I'd encounter very high points and stuff like that. So, but uh, so with Parkinson's, my balance is affected. So walking in quite slushy snow and kind of deep snow. So. Coming down off Grand Grand Paradiso, I must have fell a hundred times because you're just battling. My foot would go down, it'd sink a little bit, put me off balance, and I'd fall. We were roped up to each other as well in different sections, so like someone would pull a little bit in front, my balance would go, and I'd fall forward. So, yeah, that the energy that took out of me, kind of having to, you know, I didn't want to let it affect the group, so I'd jump up again, you know, and keep trying to keep going. But eventually, I, I finished that day, and I was absolutely wrecked. And you know, this is the first mountain I climbed. It's not part of the 28, and I'm already panicking. Can I do this? Like, you know, um, is it is it possible? So, yeah, I had a couple of moments there, kind of a bit of negative energy kind of going on, and then you go straight from that to do Mont Blanc. And uh, we got to Mont Blanc, and there's a train you take up about 1,500 meters, 
and uh, it's it's closed because uh, the snow so we have to hike that extra 1500 and again it's all leading into and then there's extra snow so we got to um tete rouge which is about 3200 meters up and i i struggled i had struggled like got there but i kind of you know my, my parkinson's was really starting to affect me you freeze a little bit when you're in parkinson's not because of the cold but actually your gait your, your, your step freeze so i go take a step and leg wouldn't move and i kind of the brain's telling the leg to move and you're like it's a slow reaction and you're put you all off so yeah i was quite worried so i had a chat with the guides and i always said whatever the guides say I'll have to go with, you know, I'll have to take their recommendation. They're the experts wherever we are. And they said, look, you might get to the top, but coming back down, especially down the um, Goute Ridge, which is quite heavily uh, snow and ice at the time, it's very steep. Your balance isn't great. You're going to be roped to other people. And, you know, you could put yourself at risk and others at risk. So, unfortunately, I had to say no. I, I will. They, they advised me, and I said, look, I have to take their advice. So, I didn't get to the top of Mount Blanc, which was, you know, it's my first mountain in this challenge, and I kind of gone, I didn't get there. So, uh, yeah, I took the news quite well. I was like, yeah, look, it is what it is. And then I kind of dwelled, and then I just said, oh, sugar, I can't believe this. Rang home, talking to my brother, tears came out. It's like, oh, no, I failed in the first mountain, you know what I mean? So, but I kind of relaxed after that, and uh, kind of said, right, I didn't get to the top of this one whatever I do after this is a bonus. Um, so while I was kind of disappointed not re reaching the top, it kind of relaxed me for the rest of the month. It was like, and then and maybe that helped the rest of the month flow really well because everything went so well after that, like, you know, so maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Um, kind of discussed that my Parkinson's was what, what got the best of me. Um, you know, I kind of, could I trained a bit more? Could I done a bit more on, on balance work? And believe it or not, just to run, to jump to the end, like Karen 2 was the last one. My balance in Karen 2 was, like, was amazing. Like I ran up the Devil's Ladder and ran down it pretty much. And kind of go, if I put Mont Blanc at the end, would it have been easier when my balance got better? That was a big takeaway actually from the whole month is that my balance improved greatly because it was obviously put under pressure and I had to use it. So back to that, you know, exercise and excessive exercise. Yeah, the more you push your body, the more it learns and kind of gets better no matter what you have and you have to deal with, you know. So, yeah, that was that was the first one. Yeah, it, 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 it's interesting that you say that about the, the like, you considered it a failure, whereas, like, it, like as soon as I, I hear that, it like, it's not a failure because you're doing this, the main reason why you were doing this was to raise awareness of, of early onset Parkinson's. And, and I suppose you, you were learning yourself along this massive challenge, you know, and you know, you did every other uh, peak, you did every other challenge that was set out in front of you for the rest of the, of, uh, of the entire month. Um, and so I suppose you, you, it's not like you didn't go up Mount Blanc at all, at all. You made a considerable amount up and you know more than most other people would because he didn't have that train ride at the start as well so yeah. it's interesting how you, you perceive that yeah and then the, the snow like the, like tet rouge normally at that time of year has no snow at it it was covered in snow as well even at that three thousand two hundred meters so yeah they're all like things to help myself tell myself that it wasn't really my fault but at the end of the day it was my parkinson's that got me and i have to you know i have parkinson's i can't get away from it and been wrong with me to go on so yeah it was a learning curve but yeah I, I, looking back now i don't consider it a failure i, I consider it a good move you know what i mean the smart move and the good thing yeah. was two friends that were with me they went on and got to the top 
so they carried the flag for me you know what i mean and got to the top so that, that was really cool um yeah so after that then i flew f- from geneva to lisbon and out to pico island out in the azores which is somewhere i'd never think about going you know it's such a random place to go but a beautiful island really beautiful island and uh, the climb was tough enough nothing compared to mont blanc or anything like that but it's a volcanic um, mountain, so the mad thing is uh, your grip was amazing. Like a, a rock that you look at in Ireland and you go, I'm not going to stand in that because at a 45 degree angle and it's wet. There you just totally grip to it because the, you know, the porous kind of rock that, yes. that it is. Yeah. It's quite easy. Your brain had to learn that, you know what I mean? He's like, step there, step there. And you're like, no, no, I'll slip. And you're, no, no, you'll be fine. Um, so that was really, that was pretty cool. Nice place to go, and um, people are lovely. Food was really nice. Uh, like I said, a different part of the world. I'd never think about going to. And you did. Um, you also did uh, Tay Day as well. You did a Tay Day in uh, in Tenerife, the uh, Spanish highest point. Yeah, so I flew down there, and the to get to squeezes into twenty eight days, it was to get to the highest point. So like I did use whatever was available. So in Tay Day, I went there and visited, and the, the cable car was not working that day because of the wind oh right right so yeah that was the other one i didn't get to the top of but i was there and kind of took all the photographs and stuff of that so yeah i had six hours there and pretty much it flew in i was like drive there a lovely couple that uh work with parkinson's people with parkinson's in the canary islands met me drove me there unfortunately the wind was bad so we luckily took all the pictures and they got me back to the flight so yeah, I think that was the other second one that I didn't get to the top of, but obviously made, made it there and kind of ticked it off the list. Um, then I made a big flight to Romania, and that was the one I'd kind of been to before, so got in there in the middle of the night. That's where a lot of the group convert, I kind of came together. Mates flew in from Ireland. My brother, who had been with me in Portugal, he didn't come down as far as Tede. He, he flew directly t- to Romania with my cousin. So about it was about six, seven of us in the van together. Um, which is in good crack and stuff like that. So, uh, again, a lot of snow where there wouldn't normally be snow. Um, there was an avalanche still there that would kind of block the road that added on a couple of kilometers onto it. But it was a really enjoyable one, um, really interesting. We were driving out and next to all these beeps that had gone off and we're like, what, what is that crazy noise? And it was all our phones, a noise we hadn't never heard from our phones before. And they all, all, the, everyone, all the phones in the van went off at the same time. And it was like bear on the loose, <laughs> be beware. Oh, yeah, so like it was the next village we were driving through. It was like it was in English actually. The message was like bear on the loose. Don't stop and take photographs. Please avoid the area if possible. So it's kind of wow. something I hadn't, I hadn't thought about when I was up the mountain. Probably just as well, like you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like it's supposed to. There's so much maths going on and, and like uh, coordinates and everything. You're not thinking about oh, there could be wild animals here. They're dangerous. <laughs> The other thing was food because we were in that van for 48 hours pretty much nearly at, at one stage you know so it was like to buy enough food to kind of cover us all and what kind of food we, and we'd know we didn't want to be bringing cooking utensils with us because obviously we're moving and flying and all that kind of stuff so trying to think about what food so before i left i went to aldi and little because obviously they're all over the europe as well and i bought mm. a lot of food and we had a kind of a training event so i get takeaway food from aldi and little for a whole weekend to see how I got on eating and what I could possibly eat and kind of, you know, simulate what would happen over there. So yeah, that worked out fine. Um, yeah. It, it sounds like there's, uh, you know, you, I know you said it already that, that your favorite part was 
the crack. It was the with your friends, with your family, with with your yeah, everyone that came over that that helped you get over the line. Like the you know, the best adventures are those that are shared, and I think that's that's shining through on this. That it wasn't just you know being able to like it's a monumental thing that you got to do, but I think the memories won't really come from you know standing on the top of insert mountain name. It's uh, it's been in that van. And, uh, Definitely, yeah. and like it started off as a Parkinson's awareness, and and it was, but it ended up being a show of how friendship can help you get over things, and how important it is. And they're all mates I've had for since I was in college. Most of them, like cousins and people from home, so, so people going back years, you know, they've stayed friendly. I've stayed friendly, with, and they all paid for themselves as well, you know, uh, which is a major thing. They also time off work and paid for themselves and time away from their family. So like. Um, forever in debt to them for, for what they did um they all had a great time as well they told me so. yeah yeah i'm sure they would like it looked like it all right definitely looking at some of the videos that you have on your social media it looked like as you said like just just great crack just a lot yeah. of friends in a van just uh running away from bears uh, yeah. <laughs> like a bit of crack so what was the uh, like i know you mentioned uh mont blanc being i suppose a particularly tough moment was there any other like really kind of tough moments that you know called the whole thing into question um, just after remaining there, we did Bulgaria again. It was meant to be a cable car, which would have taken two and a half up and about one and a half down off the trip. It wasn't working mm. that day because we we're doing repairs in it. So yeah. on, terrible luck with cable cars. <laughs> terrible. So that on four hours. So that was a long. I think it was a 13, 14 hour day up and down, and again a lot of snow. Um. Probably the one I enjoyed the most and was difficult was um, well, two actually. Slovakia was kind of caught me off guard. Again, more snow weather shouldn't have been. It's quite vertical up. It was like crampons on for a good three hours, kind of vertically climbing. It was kind of overhanging rocks that we had to kind of rope ourselves around and kind of get over. And then obviously coming down. I'm faster going up than I am coming down. Most people are faster coming down. I'm much sore because... I can kind of go for it when I'm going up, but when I'm coming down, the balance really comes into it and I kind of have to really take my time and stuff like that. So coming down, that was quite scary. So my friend was rope below me. The guide was above us. And like I said, there's an overhanging rock and he was actually putting my feet into into like little holes in the rocks trying to guide me down and stuff like that. So took a bit of time um, and I fell at the start as well and kind of damaged my shin a bit as well. So bleeding all through it. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, that was a tough one that I didn't think was going to be a tough one. I thought it was another, you know, get through it and stuff like that. So uh, Gross Glockner in Austria was amazing. Absolutely loved it. Tough climb, uh, very rewarding. Stay in the hut at uh, 3,300 metres or something like that. And uh, you're just looking out into snow-capped mountains all around you. My mate that was with me, one of the guys plays the guitar, Billy. Had a bit of a session inside there after our dinner, a couple of drinks. And uh, moments like that were pretty cool, like you know what I mean. So, that, but I'd highly recommend Gross Glockner. Uh, Slovenia was beautiful as well, a long day because I did it in one day. So, we got picked up at four in the morning and we got back at seven o'clock in the evening. And um, mm. so, another long day, uh, but very good. Rear Ferrada for the last hour and a half, kind of rock climbing and stuff like that. It's pretty, it was lucky as well. The guy that had on um, Mont Blanc, Mia lives in Slovenia and was home in Slovenia and he actually guided me for that as well. So it was nice to someone that knew my condition and was aware and how to look after me and stuff like that because he was, he was excellent as well. And I 
kept in touch with all the guides, everyone I've been with and stuff like that, and like planning on going back to a couple of different places next year as well. So, um, and then I suppose the I've been above the Arctic Circle was pretty cool as well. Kevin mm. Kessa and uh, Halti in Finland. Halti in Finland was a bit scary because we went at it from the Norwegian side, and uh, again there was big patch of ice that the van wouldn't go over so that on about four kilometers and four kilometers in and out so made it day longer and only for the phone and kind of guiding us it was a white out like it was just snow everywhere wow and, and we got to one point the lad said let's, let's just take the picture here and pretend it's the top i was like no i can't do it can't do it <laughs> come on please i was like no no we have to get to it. so um yeah it was a lot, another long day but sweden was beautiful as well Really nice as a day's hike into the where you stay at the mountain hut. And the mountain hut is amazing, like there, it's really well equipped. The food is amazing, it's like a five star meal. Um, and then really good climbing, you know, very interesting and stuff like that. So, um, again, lucky with weather in every all the different places. Like, you know, mm. up there, you're above the Arctic Circle, it was 20 degrees at one stage, and the snow all around you. It's mm-hmm. kind of a bit bad for the brain to kind of realize, you know. Um, where you actually are and 24 hour brightness as well so it was right in the middle of june wow all amazing experiences like yeah so i just i'm still kind of hanging on the logistics of this because like you just said there it took you a day to to, to hike into somewhere it obviously took you a day to hike back out again yeah that was afterwards. the longest yeah sweden was the longest uh and then it was a day train journey down to to, to denmark um so which was a cool cool event as well because the the driver and train had a heart attack and the train was stopped and they had to get a new driver and an ambulance so all this kind of mad stuff going on like <laughs> like, it did, like it bears you know heart attacks you know these are all things that like i suppose when you're if it's just you and a crew going you know one direction you know yeah. it's, it's it's a lot easier but if you're think, thinking about uh not 28 flights probably about what, 35 40 flights um across. I, I tried to reduce the flights as best possible and for the 28 i got down to 12 flights oh brilliant um yeah. i kind of yeah from my own point of view i wanted from an environmental type of reason you know yeah um but it actually worked out quite well because kind of broke down the different sections into like eastern europe central europe northern kind of you know pull them all together and drive them all and kind of yeah it definitely worked out out better probably could have thrown in a couple of extra flights and might have made it a bit easier or just tried to avoid as many airports as i can believe it or not most of the flights went okay i thought i wasn't going to get on the one at the peak because they'd overbooked it but we got on but two flights were delayed the flight out of ireland and the flight home to ireland of course <laughs> but the two flights that were delayed in the whole event so but um yeah logistics wise so some luxembourg belgium and holland Four hours knocked the tree of them out of, the, out of there. It was just drive, drive. They're all quite close to each other. Um, right. Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, probably a day and a half knocked the tree of them out of it. Um, I flew from Greece to Cyprus in the morning, did Cyprus, flew to Malta, did that in the evening. So I got two done in that day. So they're kind of saved in some of them. Then Austria took two days to do, Sweden took three days to do. So your gains and losses in different places squeeze it all into 28 days anyway. And what would have been uh, apart from Sweden, I suppose, like because uh, you're, you're, I suppose, you're you're hiking into a point. What would have been the longest actual hike that you would have done? Uh, I think Bulgaria was fourteen and a half hours. 
Wow. Um, yeah, because obviously that cable car wasn't working and stuff like that. So it was around that, yeah. And uh, that and, um, yes, yeah, long day with Slovenia, probably about 12 hours hiking, but it was it was tough going, very shaly and stuff like that. So it was quite hard mm. going on, on the feet. And then an hour and a half, we had Fred at the top, an hour and a half back down to a certain section and then hike all the way back as, as well. But, uh, yeah, long and days. The 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 because like, um, I think anyone you know I I do a bit of running myself and and hiking obviously as well and if you're ever doing like a big like a Mont Blanc like you probably are, are going to be training for a few months before you get up there but to do Mont Blanc and then twenty seven other mountains uh, as well as the the hikes in and out out in them that must have been a serious amount of training that you you had done yeah I probably started about eight months before I left um running, hiking, and kind of doing a few gym sessions. Um, believe it or not, when you have Parkinson's, one of the things you suffer from is apathy. So to get yourself yeah. off the chair and get out there sometimes. But having that focus and having something to, to, to aim for really, really helped. Um, probably could have been fitter. I, I kind of beat myself up sometimes, you know, could I have done a bit more and worked in a bit of balance and worked in a bit of strength and would have been okay for Mont Blanc? Um, but I'll, I'll never know. Um yeah, it was a lot of training, but I enjoyed the training. Um, kind of did a, a, a mock weekend in Ireland where we did the highest point in each of the four provinces over a weekend. That was good. Really learning curve as well, you know, about living in a van and kind of sleeping and stuff like that. Everyone asked me about sleep. Like, what did I do? I have, I can sleep anywhere. Um, my mates used to call me I nap. It's a nap everywhere. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, and without being able to do that, I don't think I would have never done it. So when I got into the van, Boom, mm. I'd fall asleep in the back. Even for only an hour, you know, take take a nap. Because some places we got to hotels at half two in the morning, had a shower, mm. went to bed at three o'clock, was up at half four and gone. So like literally getting an hour and a half in the hotel um, just getting a quick nap. Um, yeah, towards the end, I finished Ben Nevis and uh, we came off Ben Nevis and I only had Karen two left the next day. So we're having a lunch. And I was literally chatting away to the lads and halfway through my sentence, I fell into my plate. <laughs> <laughs> the head just dropping straight into my food. <laughs> I was like, oh, bounce back up. Yeah, so it was really starting to kick in then. Um, yeah, t- t- the 26th day of finishing kind of Belgium, Luxembourg and Holland, we got on the uh, Euro Tunnel across London, then got the train up to up to Edinburgh. And at that stage, you knew I wanted to finish. Like, I've had enough. So I was tired. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, it was a great day in Carantou the last day. It really, really was like you know. It was I was going to say so that that's like you're you're finishing on home on home soil as well. And you know what was that like when you when you finally got to the top? Yeah, it was great because I mentioned at the start it's kind of where the whole journey started when my friend brought me down and climbed Carantou. So I always wanted to be the last one. I want to be back in Ireland as well to do it. And the charity I was involved with kind of put on a bit of an event down there. Loads of family and friends, you know, people that wanted to do, people that raised money for to do it as well. So it was really re- well run event. Um, yeah, getting to the top, it was it was emotional. Like it definitely was emotional. Like you know, to see so many of my friends there and have people that wanted to come out and do it with me, and a lot of people hadn't done it before. Hmm. You know, and uh, people were like, oh, Jesus, how did you do it all the twenty eight mountains? And I was there to, I only climbed Carantoul for the first time four or five years ago. So this is your first time doing it, you know, now. So like you could potentially do what, you know, you could kick on from here and do a lot more. So, um, 
And you could have probably done it earlier as well if it wasn't for COVID. You know, like you had yeah. that. that yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, definitely. And like, kind of, if I'd done it a year or two earlier, would my Parkinson's symptoms has been been as bad? Would I manage better? Yeah, you can say it. You know, whatever. But uh, yeah, the, still needs to be done. So it was uh, logistical, sleeping efforts, uh, eating efforts, all that kind of stuff. It was. It all came off, and was very lucky that it kind of came together. I can't record an episode of this podcast without asking about food. So what was your food highlight of the entire trip? When you're up a mountain, right, and you're staying in a mountain hut and they, they don't do any special meals for everyone, it's, it's what they do. But, like, they do start as main course and dessert. And I don't know what it is. The food just tastes amazing because there's a climb up a mountain and if they put slop in front of you, they go, God, this is amazing. It was just really, really good. But the best was actually in the Italian... Uh, when we climbed Grand Paradiso, yeah, and which is the first one we did, which wasn't part of the twenty eight, it was kind of the training mountain before Mont Blanc. Yeah, the Italians know how to look after you. Definitely, the food was amazing and uh, really nice people there as well. And I would say every mountain, all the huts, are really nice people. But Austria and Italy would definitely get my vote for the best food. Oh, Sweden, Sweden was good as well. That was like five star. They, they, the Sweden when we were staying in the hut in Sweden. Kevin Castle Hut, they came out and kind of made a presentation about what they're going to serve tonight and describe where they got the ingredients from. It was like, Jesus, I just I need anything now, just give me my food. You know? <laughs> but uh, it was really, really good. Um, I didn't drink during the whole thing. My mates had a few pints here and there as well. It was always the local beer and stuff like that, but we didn't, we didn't go crazy. Kept that till the end. So um, yeah, enjoyed that beer the last day. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that'll have to be the next challenge is going to all 28 countries and and uh, trying the local ales, trying the local beers. Yeah, I don't know if I do the 28 in a row again, but I definitely think about doing something similar. Yeah. So what is, what is next? Is have you any, anything else planned? Any other hike, big hiking events or outdoor things planned? Yeah, um, I'm heading down to to uh, Westport this weekend to do Sea to Summit. Oh, brilliant. Um, and a uh, couple of runs here and there. kind of... And I got back more. I ran a marathon a few years ago, so I've done a bit of running before. So I'm trying to get back into that Um, trying to push that a bit more. I did a half marathon there recently, and uh, it's probably why I haven't been up the mountains as much because I'm trying to concentrate on the running, trying to get a bit, bit fitter. But I will get back to the mountains. I am going back to some of the places it was last year just to do, you know, weekend of Slovakia and Poland, or weekend. My, my brother wants to go do gross, gross glockner with me in Austria and stuff like that. So planning on going back to one or two of them. Maybe the year after I'll do a big event. I, I, I haven't been over 5,000 metres, so that's kind of the next thing to do. The next so big thing, yeah. Yeah, I think if I'm doing that, I might as well do something epic and maybe do a few 5,000ers in a row or something like that. So, <laughs> Just see, not one, but three. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the attitude. But uh, yeah, uh, in terms of outdoor stuff, yeah, just trying to stay fit all the time. I'm very lucky where I live. Um, Cushing gone. In Cummers is like 20 minutes out the road, 15, 20 minutes. So that was my regular training ground, you know what I mean? I was up and down, coming on two or three times just to practice. And uh, yeah, the Cummers are a great, great uh, resource there, right in my doorstep as well. So kind of always heading up around them. So uh, I haven't been to Donegal. So I'm, I want to go up there and do a bit of, bit of, bit of and I haven't done much in the morns either. So there's loads in, in Ireland oh. just keep me happy. You know? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it, 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 like uh, the Coomers are right at your doorstep, but then, you know, Ireland in, in, as a whole, like, you've got the experience now of having to hike 
you know, and get trains, you know, from one end of the country to the other. Whereas we, you know, you can drive for two hours and you'll be in, um, in, in probably in Cork, yeah. uh, another two hours, you'd be up in the mornings, another two hours, you'd be over in Westport, you know, you just, there's, there's so many things within, like you, you can get up at six and be at the mountains by, by eight, you know, um, it's so I close. Think, yeah. Even like Kerry, like you're spoiled for choices so much down there as well. Yeah. Like, you know, so, um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to do. So, uh, well, I'll go a couple of small trips abroad. I want to concentrate a bit more in Ireland next year and then we'll see the year after what I'll do. So yeah, there's a there's a there's a um the the Ardurans, all the all the peaks. If you want to just knock off all the the, the hundred highest peaks in Ireland, there's there's a, a list there for you to do. Maybe you might do it in a day. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm always trying to find something that somebody hasn't done before. You know, yeah, it's kind of always a challenge to myself. So um, that's kind of where I'm going with the five thousand meter thing as well. So um, yeah, we'll wait and see. Good stuff. Well, look, Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I, I could sit here all day and chat to you about each individual uh, hike and, you know, uh, the, the the highs and lows of them all. But I think what you've done, regardless of, of reaching one or two of the peaks, you know, it's absolutely inspiring. It's it's amazing. And, you know, not just as a, ch- a physical challenge, but what you've done it for, the the cause that you've done it for um, and how much awareness you, you've brought to this and the money that you've raised as well, you know, to... to, to, to to put the, the cherry on top of it. Um, is there, Thanks. Yeah. Is, it, it, uh, before we go, is there, is there anything you want to, to, I suppose, any kind of wisdom you want to impart or anything you want to say to, to our audience? Definitely, definitely. Um, obviously, we've been diagnosed with Parkinson's and kind of even listen back to some of your own podcasts you've done with people and like been on social media. A lot of people wait until something happens to them before they kind of get out and start living a bit of life, whether it's been diagnosed, whether it's personally been diagnosed with something or the loss of a family friend or, or some family member, you know, we, you obviously people, they tend to wait until something like that happens to really embrace life. Get out yeah. there and embrace it now. Do something now. Don't wait for something to happen. You know, it's great. You know, it's great for me. Like, uh, you know, I, I've done something now, but again, it was after I kind of got a diagnosis. So just get out there and start enjoying life. And the great thing, about the hiking community there's there's such a variety of groups now on online and stuff like that and you know people say social media you kind of you know people can go into themselves a bit more and kind of i, I see social media from the hiking point of view is really bringing people together groups yeah. and put together on it and uh jesus like you know you're at the on a monday there you're looking back over all the groups and where they've been all over the weekend they're all over ireland they're starting to go abroad and it's really great it's a great community it's really growing in ireland and it's great to see and hopefully it'll continue yeah, uh, uh, here, here to that. I, I definitely think the hiking community, both here and internationally, is is growing, um, and uh, the internet and social media has just been a fantastic vessel for that. For all its faults, it has been the reason, one of the biggest reasons why it's been it's been so explosive. Um, but yeah, again, Ian, thank you so much for coming on to the show and and and, and chatting to us. And thanks, so yeah, if anyone could uh, do anything, I'd, I'd say like go onto your website, go onto. I'll put it into the show notes, but it's, uh, just make sure I don't butcher the uh, the URL. Uh, European, so EU yeah. EU or UPIAN dot com. You're up, Ian. Yeah. Um, clever play on words. Uh, I, I, I thought it was until everyone asked you how how do you spell that, and I was trying to explain it, and some people were looking at the word and couldn't see it, and I was like, oh, I have a, well, I made a mistake here, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's European, so 
Thanks it's very still, much. It, 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 it does the job. Um, so yeah, visit the website, check out your so- socials, uh, and just yeah, uh, support any way you can for early onset uh, Parkinson's. Um, but in, yeah, thanks very much. Here's and uh, best of luck with everything else. Thanks a million, man. Thanks so much again to Ian for coming onto the show and sharing his story with us. Uh, I could have sat with him for hours talking about each and every single hike that he went on to, and maybe I will one of these days. Maybe we'll do a series uh, dedicated specifically to this challenge. I cannot wait to see what Ian does next. Uh, He left a a strong impression on me uh, that he is not finished. He's got a lot more things, a lot more adventures, uh, that he wants to uh, to achieve in his life so i cannot wait to see what he does next that's it for this week thank you again for tuning in uh listening and watching if you're watching this on youtube uh we'll be back again next week and until then happy trails <laughs>